Praise God. Power. I feel the fire of God. <sighs> Look to someone to your left and say, you know, you need more Jesus because you're not looking super good. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I mean, tell them that you actually have Jesus and you look beautiful. Look to your right and say, I'm still praying for you. No, that you're awesome as well, too. You're good. Now, now, you know what? Let's do a next stretch. Look behind you and say, are you happy? Now, if everyone did that, you'd be talking to the back of someone's head. Praise God. God is good. Amen? So, so, so good. How good is God? So good. So good. Hey, I remember you. We bumped into you at the airport, didn't we? Good to see you again. Going to North Battleford, Canada. Was that, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Oh, I had just gotten back from Russia. It's been a bit of a whirlwind. But I tell you what, there is such amazing things happening that if we just focus on our own little world, we just miss the reality of God's kingdom. And we just got to not focus on our own little world. That, the own little world is just small. It gets depressing when it's me, 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 me. Nah, it's him, 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 him. So we can be who we're called to be. Amen? amen. Let's hear someone say amen. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Take a big breath of oxygen. <gasps> we're up at 4,000 feet right now. <gasps> No, I'm just kidding. Even in Mexico City, it's high. It's uh, 7,600 feet or something like that. And, and uh, Bogota is a few hundred meters higher than that, almost 8,000 feet. And sometimes I'm in the shower, and you know, you hold your breath a little bit, and all of a sudden, whoa, you just got to breathe. You get energetic, and you're kind of like, you know. Well, maybe some of you have never felt that. Has anyone ever left the Fraser Valley? We thought the Coquihalla was high. It's not. Okay. Oh, boy. I'm just on fire. I, there's, there's an excitement in me that I'm sitting here looking at my notes and feeling like whether or not I should even preach them. But, uh, but God is good. You know, I just have drawn to this couple over here. I don't think I know you or have met you guys. So have I ever met you? Oh, okay. I, I just, Ike and Courtney's mom. Okay, awesome. Bless you guys. I just... I just, um, I don't know, I just wanted to encourage you especially, almost like there's such a shift in what God is doing, and there's such a fire that's on your life that there's something reawakening, do you know, like something fresh, um, even in a prophetic realm, and I just feel like you're a solid working guy, like you just give it, you're trustworthy, and something that I want to talk a bit about today is, is trustworthiness of what God calls us into. And I just wanted to encourage you guys. I, I might have met you. I can't remember if I ever have or not. But let's just... Let's just oh, you're Jessica's vocal teacher. Oh, now I got it. Let's just put our hands out to them, okay? She taught my daughter how to sing. Unbelievable. This is awesome. Father, bless them. Fill them with your presence and your glory, Lord God. Uh, I just feel like some of the greatest times are yet to come. I really do. I believe some of the greatest seasons are starting and going to be happening in this 2019 year for both of you. So bless them abundantly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Bless them. Oh, wow. Thank you for teaching my daughter. That's awesome. In the seasons of David's life, King Saul was pursuing him. I'm not going to go into the whole story. I've talked about this before, but King Saul is pursuing David to take him out. The anointing had lifted from Saul as king, and it, it literally 
when the anointing comes off you, there's one of two things that can happen. When I say the anointing, I'm talking about the presence of God. In the presence of God is his favor, is his grace, is his love. Everything good who God is is in his presence. So if you went to heaven right now and you stood in his presence, everything good that he is is in his presence. And that even means discipline sometimes because we know that Scripture also says that if you don't discipline your children that they will grow up without, without the right discipline in their life. And it doesn't work. It's, it, an anarchy society doesn't work. There's laws, there's rules, there's regulations when we drive down the road. I go to countries where those rules are, but no one listens to them. And red light means give it, like floor it. And I'm like, oh, you know, get the angels of protection around our car, please. And I've lived and I've been in countries, many countries, 41 countries of the world, and many countries have an almost lawless society, and it doesn't work well. God has law. He has rule. He has structure. It's all wrapped in his love and grace. It's not to condemn you. It's to actually set us free. And so here Saul is pursuing David because Saul has lost something that was his identity, which was kingship. And he saw that David was getting something which was kingship from God. And it was frustrating him to no end. So David ran and hid in order to keep from being killed by this demonized king. So what happened when the favor of God lifted him? The only other option is demonizing comes on. You're either for him, God, or you're against God. This whole lukewarm Christianity, which a lot of us live in in this country, this lukewarm Christianity does not get you to heaven. He says, you're either for me or you're against me. Lukewarm, you're against. We have to be on fire for him. If we're not on fire, we'll burn in another fire. So here David is running, hiding from a king that actually used to really love him, that now is demonized. Several times David had the opportunity to step into his calling. David knew he was going to become king. His calling was to become king. He had many opportunities to kill Saul. Three times in particular, David had the opportunity to kill the demonized guy that was coming after him. And if Saul had been killed, David would have stepped in. He would have stepped in immediately to the position of his destiny. Uh, I won't say it in 1 Samuel chapter 26. You can read some of these stories. And the soldiers of David are like, come on, you can kill him and we can get in our destiny. But you see, David still refused. He refused to take action, even prevented his men from killing Saul. Can you imagine if what your destiny was, and, and you had the ability to do something to get into your destiny sooner? Most of us would jump at the opportunity. But the problem is, is the opportunity was to go in contrary or contradiction to the ways of God. He would have had to kill King Saul to get his identity. And so many times in the Christian movement, we're good enough and accept enough that we can kill. How do we kill? Power of the tongue. We could slander someone so radically to make them look bad so we can look good and move into a higher level. It's the wrong way. David still refused. He would not compromise his position and would not lay hands on the God's anointed one. Why? Because even though King Saul was demonized, I say, at this point in time, he knew that God had anointed that king. 
Even when you and I have, you and I have a prime minister, a president, whatever country you're from, that isn't making maybe wise decisions, you have to pray on what is the duty and the call. The Bible says to pray for them because they're appointed by God. I'm not in agreement with decisions that are being made in our own country of Canada. There is so much junk going on, it's insanity. How could we, as a Christian foreign nation, be living with the decisions that are being made in the parliament? It doesn't make an ounce of sense. But yet God has him there for a reason and a purpose. And we need to first pray. Boy, I intercede more for my prime minister than I ever have. I intercede, I pray, I pray for him. I pray for him to have an encounter with God, the true God, the one and only God, to literally be in his bed and Jesus show up and say, quit tearing down my nation. Can you imagine? That's what I pray for. I go into Muslim countries. You know, one of the greatest things I'm hearing testimony over and over again is that many, many different religions, Muslim included, are literally having visitations of God in their room. Jesus Christ shows up, they get converted, and they start living in the Christian lifestyle. It's absolutely amazing. I believe this for our country, our parliament, British Columbia's government, our city governments, please, our school trustees. We need Christian values in our schools. And you know what? A lot of them, they're not even just Christian. They're just good values, which is Christian values. You know what I'm saying? Most countries I travel to don't teach their children to live contrary to this. Even if they're not a truly Christian country, you can go into a Muslim country, but they're not talking about, you know, your child has a choice of gender. It's only a couple nations in the world that are. And I want to tell you, I preach this Bible, and when this Bible truth throws me in jail, I'll have a captive audience, and I'll be a Paul, and I'm going to celebrate and rejoice and watch the jailhouse leaders come to Jesus. Amen? Yes. Love the sinners, hate the sin. Why did God three times give Saul, King Saul, into David's hands? Why would the Lord put a whole army to sleep if he didn't want David to kill Saul? If God can put Saul to sleep, can't he also kill him? David had a heart after God. David understood and related to God on a higher dimension of relationship. This is what, what I want to talk about today, that, that some of these men, these men in Scripture, these women in Scripture, they lived in a higher relationship with God than many of us see in our own lives here today. David didn't assume that the Lord offering him Saul and giving him the opportunity to bypass persecution and tribulation and step into his calling sooner was the perfect will of God. God will not call us to do something that is contrary to his nature. He is not going to, you know, people will come to me, Brent, I feel like the Lord is telling me to do this. And I'm like, that's like contrary to what he would probably want you to do. No, but God told me. Really? But it doesn't line up with Scripture, but no, God told me to. Yeah, yeah, don't put words in his mouth. Watch it when we say, God told me. 
Because if we put words in his mouth, we actually start blaspheming. We're adding to and taking away from his word. If you read the Bible, it's a scary place to live life. (laughs) I like to say, you know, if you're really not 100% absolutely positive God told you something, if you're not 100% positive that you're willing to die on the spot for that truth that you think you have, why don't you say, I think God told me. I think I heard his voice. Even if you have a dream or an open vision, God will not call you to do something contrary to who he is and what he stands for. We have got to have the word. We have to have the whole fullness of the supernatural operating, but it has to be founded in the word of God. David was being tested. Oh, that's right. We don't test God. He's David. God is watching the testing of David. Well, you can throw fleeces out to the Lord. I just wanted to. I did. I want to tell you what, if you throw a fleece out to the Lord and he answers it, you better be obedient with the fleece. (laughs) This family of Windward congregation in this center, this hub for this whole apostolic movement that Windward's doing, it was me throwing a fleece out to the word of the Lord. I said, Lord, really? We're part of leadership in local churches. But Lord, that first Friday night in Mission BC, I threw a fleece out. Lord, if there'd be at least 50 people there, then I'll know it's your will and I'll be obedient to your word. Ah, 75 showed up and it never shrank. It just kept growing. God wanted to know if David had a heart of a true king. And David made a decision to not promote himself or his calling. You know, how many of you have had children or have children? Or maybe you've been a child. If you've ever been a child before, just put your hand up. (laughs) Maybe you don't know your dad. Maybe you know your dad. But as my kids were growing up, and I would play with them and wrestle with them and have fun with them, I had to hold back my strength. I'm not saying I'm mighty strength, mighty man. No. But I know one thing. With a three-year-old or a four-year-old, I had more strength than he did. And, and you're holding them down, and you're saying, come on, son, come on, daughter, you can do it, you can get out of this, and, you know, they're, we're wrestling, we're having fun, and, and they're uh, with all their strength, but dad isn't holding them down with all their strength. You could physically kill the child in a moment with the strength of a father. You see, God is our father. And he holds back his strength and his power and his authority. Looking for the children to raise up and become the mighty people that God, that he has called them into. He will only use the force that is equal, if not less, than that which is being used against him. God and his sovereignty have given you and me free will to make decisions and choices on what we're going to do in our life, what this day's going to be is ably subject to your free will. You say, well, that's impossible. I can't control the weather. I can't control. Oh, no, 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 no. But you can control every single effect of the weather in your life. You can, well, uh, I saw that there's like a high rain warning tonight for Abbotsford. Like a red flag goes across my, my, my weather app. It's good. Winds and rain, high winds and rain tonight. Yippee! I live in a fifth wheel RV. I get to feel it rock back and forth in the windstorms. But you know what? Every effect of this earth, this world around us, it literally should not affect us 
on having a life of victory. If it does, then we have literally started to seal off his power and authority, and he can't give us more because we can't handle more. If we're not worthy with the little that we have, how can he give more? But we cry out in our times of distress. Absolutely, we must. But when we cry out, we're not crying out in depression. We're crying out a voice of victory because we live in what's called the new covenant, that Jesus Christ has paid the price and he won the war. When Jesus came to earth, he emptied himself of divine nature. He emptied himself of divine nature in order to take on the form of a man. Jesus Christ chose as man to empty himself of divine nature so he could walk on this earth as a man to be an example of who you and I are to live like. Why? For the sake of relationship. When I'm playing with my little children years ago, I didn't give them my full force because I would have hurt them if not killed them. Jesus, he gave up his divine nature to come and walk on this earth. Why? Because he wanted relationship. His father was crying out for his people to come back to him in relationship. John 15, 15. John chapter 15, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. When Jesus addressed his disciples, he made a very clear distinction between those who were servants and those he considered as his friends. And in this scripture, it implies his disciples used to be slaves or servants. So what he's actually implying here is now I call you friends. I've been with you for three years. I call you friends before you were like servants. But now you served, you've been faithful. I call you friends. What has created that relationship? What was it that started to bring this relationship together? What was it that changed from the day when Jesus walked up to his first disciples and said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he walked, and he walked. And they had to make a choice just like that. Is that guy nuts? Or is he carrying something that I need? Can you imagine if, if I just walked up to you right now and said, come follow me, I'll make you some fishers of men and buy your plane tickets for relieving this week. But, but, but I don't know if I can do it. I, there's spiders, or, uh, uh, like uh, my job, uh, uh, my house, uh, my, my children. What about my turkey dinner on American Thanksgiving? Eat that first. Invite me to. And then we'll go. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, he's implying that they weren't fishermen. And what were they doing when he walked up to them? Fishing. It'd be like, I don't know. Who's a contract? Anybody build or construction or something here? Like, hey, come follow me and I'll make you a, a contract. You know, you're an engineer. Come follow me, I'll make you an engineer. Wouldn't that just be offensive? Come follow me, I'll... I'll teach you how to be a woman. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be a bad, bad example, but <laughs> whatever it is you are, come follow me and I'll teach you how to do it. 
you would sit down, and I bet you anything, a human nature would rise up in 99% of the people and say, are you kidding me? Hey, come follow me. I'm going to teach you how to become a chef or a cook, a baker, a baker. That's what he does. Come follow me. I'm going to teach you how to make a ba- be a baker because I know how to make better donuts. You know, no, it's like, you kidding? This guy's German. He, he'd kill me. He's an amazing baker. He traveled around in the baking industry. I didn't even know bakers traveled. I thought they just woke up early and made bread. In this scripture, it implies his disciples used to be slaves or servants in the eyes of Jesus three years before. But now after three years of traveling together, what changed the, what changed the relationship with Jesus Christ and these 12, and these 12 uh, disciples? What changed? It's called loyalty and trust. What changes in our life with God's calling in us and the power and the authority that he has given to us and the freedom and the victory of every situation and every circumstance? What changes in our life so we can live like that every day is called loyalty and trust. Because in our loyalty to God, we become trustworthy with more. In John chapter 6, verse 66, 666, 666, I'm just kidding. Uh, John 6, well, first of all, in, in, in the whole chapter before this as well, too, uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and what he said would offend them. It's like he actually intended to offend them. Things like, in the early part of John chapter 6, Jesus is talking and saying, you know, you're going to drink my blood. You're going to eat my body, my flesh. What would that do to you? If I said, hey, 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 Justin, you're going to drink my blood and eat my flesh. I don't know. I saw that in the jungles of the Amazon with some of the cannibal tribes that my parents reached out to. They literally decapitated the heads and shrunk them. I remember walking into Chief Tatiti's hut, 17 shrunken heads hanging by their hair. That was my childhood experience. What was yours? You're going to eat my blood, drink my blood, and eat my flesh. What? What? Are you nuts? Who is this guy? And so he was offending his disciples. He was speaking a truth that they didn't understand, which actually created an offense. If I speak a truth that God has given to me as a leader, and you don't understand it, it has one of two things. But chances are, it might create offense if it's against what your theology is. People say, well, what's your theology, Brian? I said, you know what? I went to four years of Baptist seminary, two years of another seminary. I have left some of the theologies I learned in Baptist seminary. I just don't believe them anymore. Hallelujah, someone said. (laughs) What's my theology? Uh, Best thing I can say is Jesus Christ. He's perfect theology. If I can live a life like him, I will understand the word. If I can understand it like he did, that's a good theology. Yeah, but are you you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Well, if I tell you one or another, will you separate? 
If I tell you you can't raise your hands and sing worship songs, you've got to sit in pews and stay quiet in the reverence of God, will you leave? If I tell you you can raise your hands and... Yeah. At least we have some honesty in here. Do you know what I'm saying? Because people's theologies have created denominationalism, and denominationalism has created division and separation, which is literally depowering the church of God. I love my Baptist brothers. My wife grew up Lutheran. I love the Lutherans. They're absolutely amazing. I can sit there in reverence in a Lutheran church, and I might be speaking in tongues quietly in my own mindset, but I'll tell you what. I would rather be committed to something godly that has God in it and not have all the understanding than to be off in a mess that I have all understanding and realize that I actually don't on that day of judgment. So saying these things as a body, Jesus is actually bothering them that, hey, disciples, you're going to drink my blood and eat my body. But now let's take a look in Luke chapter 6, verse 66. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They left him. They couldn't understand it. Because they couldn't understand it, they divided and they separated from the Christ. So then Jesus said, in verse 67, then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? I'm speaking a revelational truth. Are you also going to go away? Look at all the ones that left. Will you also go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> well, you could just run off to another church, and you could just keep church hopping and church hopping and church hopping the rest of your life and never have an understanding of what family is walking through the tough times and walking through the celebration times. Oh, that hurts. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Verse 69. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Did I choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a slanderer, a devil. A slanderer, devil. Devil is slanderer, means the word slanderer. And he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Interesting. All these others betrayed him. Everyone left him. They betrayed him. How many slanders did he have? Oh, I don't want to slander people. Because if they just have a different belief structure slightly, but the fundamentals of Scripture are the same, who am I to be judging these ones? Our relationship with the Lord is not just us coming to know him. It's also him coming to know us. The Lord was looking for the ones, the disciples, the students, the pupils that really would follow what his father, God, was speaking through him because God's not on trial. Well, God, rescue me. If you rescue me, I'll believe in you. Oh, in his sovereignty and grace, he might rescue you. But it's not so you could believe in him. His desire is you would believe in him so he could rescue you. But if you truly believe him, then you're never in a situation where you need rescuing. 
When you truly believe in him, you're never in a situation where the things of the world, the things of the family, the things and the issues that rage around you by their own free will and by their own choices, never should you be in a condemned lifestyle in your mind because of someone else's decisions. That in him we live freedom no matter what happens. If, if you have a pistol pointed to your forehead like I did in Tijuana, Mexico, and the thing misfired four times, never, ever did my mind think in fear of this gangbanger that wanted to take me out. Never. I don't know what happened. It was like I should have just said, hey, buddy, no problem. I'll leave your city and go tell the Bethel students that we had on a team down there. Hey, guys, guess what? The little gangbanger up there and his gangbanging buddies, they told us we need to leave the city and not preach Jesus here. So let's all go. Are you kidding me? I can't live subject to other people's decisions, even if they're bad decisions. I can't live subject in my own life to their issues and problems. I'm here to be light and bring them an answer. But if they want to listen or not, that's their choice. But my question is, are you and I listening to the voice of God, or do we listen to the things that are raging around us? We can't be waiting and watching what he's doing. We can't just wait and watch. Oh, God, show up. Oh, God, show up. Oh, I sing it. I, I, I sit here in, in the morning doing it. Oh, oh God, show up here. And, and this morning, as I was praying and, and worship was going, I was like, oh, God, just show up more. He's like, if I show up more, can you handle it? Are you worthy with what I've given you now? Is your people, your congregation, is your family ready and worthy for what I've already given? Because what I've given is so big and so huge. Are they ready for more? Because if they're not ready for more, then it's by my sovereignty and grace I hold back and not destroy them. That's who we are. That's, That's why we're here. That's why our kids downstairs are practicing for a play. So they get to be on this platform in a couple weeks. And they get to start to live in a destiny of greatness. Yes, God is all-knowing and all-powerful. But he chooses not to know certain things about us. He will not impose upon our free will, nor will he use manipulation to get his own way. That's not God. He's not using the issues of the world or problems in your family to get at you. The problems and issues that we have around this world are all made by free will choices. Oh, no, the devil's making, you know, Canada be what it is. The devil's taking us out. The devil's doing this. The devil's doing that. Oh, he's a part of it, but he has no power and he has no authority to change anything. It was taken away from him at the cross and the resurrection. But I'll tell you what, if we jump into the settlement that the devil is in charge, by God's grace, he won't give us a bunch more because we're not being worthy with what he's already given us. Oh, the devil's powerful. He's as powerful as any person makes him. And the sinners of this world, they don't know better. And they make the devil powerful. 
rock music. You know what? Windward has a Christian rock band in its ministry now. Not just the worship team. I mean, not a full-on Christian rock, rock band. Anyone heard of All Above Me? I mean, like their necks are it's going. What Christian ministry does this? One that's not stuck in a box because I believe that everything, every sound that this atmosphere makes, every thunder, every lightning, every mighty rushing wind, every avalanche of snow on the mountains that nobody hears are thunderings of his glory and his praises because all his creation cries out the glory of God. And music's not demonized. The demonized use music. So why not the Godized? The Godized, whatever it is. Instead of demon eyes, let's do Godized. Why don't they use the music? Oh man, I grew up. Oh, drums in the church. <laughs> Piano, the bar instrument, the tool of the devil in the church. The drums, the 4-4 beat is the devil's beat. Forget electric guitars. That's just not even even a worthy enough subject to talk about it in the church. (laughs) I want to tell you what. There ain't no beat on this earth that doesn't give God glory. But used wrongly with demonized people, then it can give glory to the devil. I'm going after Christian rock. Oh, how about Christian waltzing? How about Christian jazz with no words? How how does that work? I don't know. Or you could sing jazz, Christian. I don't know. Christian, do everything for the glory of God. And it actually becomes a good thing. Our abilities to know God are not based on our studies of the scriptures. Although the scriptures do reveal him, we cannot know him by reading a book. Like Adam who was assigned the name and the animals to name the animals that he may learn God. God will send us on a journey through the scriptures to learn him. The scriptures, we have to be on a journey. If you just know and memorize the word of God, it doesn't do you the justice that you have to be on a journey for the word of God to apply directly into your life. Every truth must be married to the spirit of truth and before there is divine revelation of him. True fulfillment is in the place where the Word and Spirit come together. True fulfillment is in the place where the Word of God and the wind of His Spirit, the Word of God and the wind of His Spirit coexist together. That becomes a resting place where He can dwell and reside on us. God has called us for such destiny. Children love to dream, even fantasize about their future. If you were to ask a child, a little child, hey, what are you going to be when I grow up, when you grow up? I'm going to be a policeman. I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a professional baseball player. Very rarely will you ever hear a child, if like never, hey, what are you going to be when you grow up? Nothing. Only children you hear that from is parents that believe it themselves. 
But you see, we here as adults and parents aren't telling our children what they won't be. We're here telling them the great things that they will be. Why? Because you and I have already chosen to live in the great things of God in our life. God enjoys listening to our dreams. He loves listening to us talk about our desires. God gives us opportunity to repent. To change, which means, repent means change your direction, change your mindset. It changes a direction in life. And he has so much grace to give us that opportunity. Not everyone's going to follow it. Many disciples left Jesus. But I tell you what, when we commit in and we say, you know what, God, I'm all in, I'm going for it. I don't know what it all means, God, but I'm here. I, I, I'm available. I'm ready to run with you. Whatever you say, whatever you call me to do, you know what, I said that as a little kid. I used to tell people, you know, uh, I remember in Peru when I was growing up in the Amazon jungles and other missionary adults would say, what are, what are you going to do, Brent, when you grow up? I'm going to preach to thousands of people. And my mom would keep holding me in her arms, you know, or I'm on her lap rubbing my hair. And, you know, son, you can do it. I believe in you. But all these other adults, they're like, oh, quit being prideful, child. You can't do that. You're just a little kid. So I didn't believe it for the longest time. But you know what? God gave us visions as children for a reason. Not so some person can tell you what you can't do, but so you and I can live in what he tells you you can do. And it's not just can, it's your destiny. It's your destinies. Beautiful young girls, it's your destiny. Go after everything you can with God. Young men, young women. I don't want to look at anyone when I say old men, old women. It's your destiny. Sometimes your friends mess up. Sometimes people pass away and you don't understand why they died. Sometimes your marriage isn't always as fruitful as you want it to be. Sometimes your own children, they, they make mistakes, they mess up. But our destiny is not to live in the mess up and, and carry the burdens of the world. Our destiny is to be mamas and papas, to be husband and wife. What, if you've gone through a divorce, your destiny is with you and Father himself to be what he's called you to be, not what man says you can't be, and not even what lack of identity says you can't be, but to identify as a son, as a daughter of the king. Ah! I'm not a slave. And I'm not even called a servant. His 12 disciples. No longer do I call you servants because I've known you for three years and you've been trustworthy. You've stayed with me. You've been trustworthy to follow me and what my Father says, says the Lord. Yes, you serve. You serve. They serve Jesus. Absolutely. 
But to serve out of sonship, out of daughtership, is not a servant. For a servant does not know what his master desires. A servant just hears and does it because they are servants. But a son and a daughter, they need to know it's no longer their master speaking. It's the king, their father speaking. And everything that their father is building. So their sons and daughters will have an inheritance. And they will go higher and do greater things than any dad on this earth will do. I look at my own kids. I look at the sons and daughters in this place, the sons and daughters of God. Maybe I'm one of the people that have been called to help teach us. I can't control anybody. I can't even control my own kids. I remember when they were two years old, I'd say, stop crying. You're not hungry. You don't need your mom right now. I'm here, but I don't have everything that you need. What did I do? I had to fall on my knees before God and say, God, help me be a dad, a father. And then mom would come home and feed the child and they'd be happy. And then it would like dad again. reality is, is we as children can never rely on someone else to make us happy or to bring us into relationship with God. Sons and daughters have to go to the Father directly. He can't go through me, Kevin, Pastor John, Pastor Willis. He can't go through us to get there. All we can do is encourage you. To use a baseball bat sometimes, but people say that's not graceful. I'm just kidding. Because I use it on myself first. But I want to encourage us here today that if your destiny is being held back by something that has happened around you, then you need to get over it and get our eyes focused back on God. It's easy for you to say because nothing ever bad goes on in your life. Are you kidding me? When you're lining up and sitting down for a 15-hour flight and one of the biggest ladies on the plane with the screaming loudest kid is sitting beside you. Just my struggles are different than yours. I bought really nice Bose noise-canceling headphones. You're a pastor. You bought balls. No, you know how much those are. Yeah, but you know how much how much sanity they give me on an airplane. They make me happy when I arrive here to preach with you. Whatever your problem is, it's not really yours. It's not your ownership, unless you have made the choices in your own life to be a problem. 
But all the problems around us are not your identity. Oh, things are hard. Things are difficult, absolutely, in life once in a while. You bet. But if your life is full of hardship, find Jesus. Find his presence. Find God's glory. Find his spirit. Find his joy. It's happy, the happiness of being a Christ follower. Find thanksgiving for all the good that he's done in our lives, in our children, in our church, around the world. Let's all stand. Just because I know there's a turkey in my oven. to be a beautiful offering into my belly instead of a burnt offering to the dog. So there goes my wife and my daughter. Gobble, 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 gobble. Oh yeah, you guys had that a month ago, didn't you? Let's not be turkeys in an oven. Let's be sons and daughters in his presence. Let's make sure we stand in the right fire and not in the wrong fire. Let's make sure that you and I are all ready to go to the right fire of his presence and not the fire of hell. If you don't make a choice in life, nothing any one of us can preach and teach that's going to save you from hell. It can only be you with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. But that relationship is not being a servant. That relationship is being a son or a daughter of the King. And you become the bride of Jesus Christ. That's our call. The Bible says that many will have thought that they know him. But Jesus, we knew you. Get out of my sight. I never knew you. But we did your works. I never knew you. Oh, what? What does knowing mean? The word is gnosko. It means to follow, pursue, vigorously and never letting go. But we know you. We knew you. To follow him, pursue him and never let him go. He travels so fast sometimes. I'm just hanging on. I'm not going to let you go. What? Another trip? I'm not going to let you go, God. I think it makes him go faster. Hey, son. Come, follow me. Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy. And he hangs on to my leg as a little boy. And he's laughing, and he's laughing. Anybody ever done that? And he's laughing, and he's laughing. And I just want to go faster. I mean, laughing, he's laughing, but I can't go full speed. Now I want to hang on to his leg. Run, son, run, son. Okay, Dad, okay, Dad. Whose leg are you hanging on to? I hope it's our Father's. 
he's walking to and fro, to and fro on this earth. Jesus Christ, I'm hanging on. You're my groom. You're my married partner. I'm hanging on. I made a covenant with you, Jesus. Back when I was a kid, I made a covenant, and I'm hanging on. I'm not going to let you go. Good. You learned how to walk slow. Now we're going to teach you how to walk faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. I want to ask you here today as we close, what are you hanging on to? Is it the things of this world that will pass away? Or is it the things of Him that will live eternally? we will not focus on the things of this world. I pray, Lord God, that every one of us will not focus on problems or issues in other people's lives or in our own lives, but instead, Father, we're going to go after you in such a way that every problem falls away and we will live in the victory of a living Lord and Savior. His name is called Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you want to know him as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you opportunity. If that's you, just put your hand up quickly. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ here today. I'm going to ask. I'm speaking to the people here, but I'm speaking to that camera right now. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just put your hand up. Maybe you know Jesus, but you haven't been living for him. And you're wondering if you still do know him the way you're supposed to know him. Maybe that's you. Put your hand up right now. Just put your hand up. You want to say, I want to make a new covenant with God. I want to come back into the intimacy and relationship with my father. If that's you, put your hand up. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see those hands. Many hands are going up. My hands are up. I know him really well, but I want to know him even better. I want to as my kids would say as they were young, I want to know him gooder. Gooder and gooder. I just love it. Spoken from a child's mouth because he is good. I want to know him gooder and gooder. I believe the fire of the Holy Spirit in his presence wants to touch us here today. There's not a doubt in my mind. We didn't go through that worship for no reason. We went through that worship singing this morning with the fire and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us because I believe that he wants to remove some memories in our minds the memories that are keeping us from advancing into his kingdom he wants to open us up to a new level of forgiveness in our hearts that actually forgives people that have done wrong to us that have hurt us because we have to forgive them and we have to let it go because if not we will live in the bondage of their unforgiveness and we have to be set free we have to be set free. And so I want to ask you here today, Father God, if, if, if any one of us is ready for the greater commitment and we're ready if people have put their hands up here today, maybe, Lord God, there has been a burden that has been keeping us awake all night. Something has happened. Someone has done something that has hurt us and has offended us in some ways. I ask today, Lord God, that we will forgive them and we will live in the liberty of your kingdom in our life. I ask, Lord God, that we will not walk around with our heads in the woodstock 
I'm not talking Woodstock in California in the 60s. We could have that as Christians, amen, here in the 2000s. But, okay, the, the Woodstock holding our hands and our head to face down in shame. Lord God, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And we, as you said this morning by a vision, King Kevin Stoddy have, you said that there is no lock on the Woodstock. Raise your head up. Lift your hands high. For this is a day that we, you have made, and today we rejoice in it. And we celebrate in it, Father. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. For you're a good, good God. I just feel like we need to sing that good, good God song. I don't know. Can we sing that good, good song? The good, good you God song? Good. Let's sing this. Come on. Right, so you want to come forward? Come up here right now. I just feel like we got to get into you this thing. We got to believe what we're singing. Good. Come on. Raise your hands. Get your heads out of the stock. Jesus. You are good. Come up and lay it all, all on the, on the altar here this morning. I believe it in my heart. Jesus, you are good, yes, Jesus. so good. Let's sing it, guys. You Come on. Good, sing it out. So good. <laughs> oh, you are good. So good. Oh, you are gooder and gooder. <laughs> gooder and gooder, so good. God. You're good. He's good. good. He's so good. Oh, we'll let go of those pains and those problems. Just let them go right now. So good. Oh, and some of you are saying, I can't let them go. They hurt too much. No, God is saying, let them go. Good. I have better for you. I have more for you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You are a good, good God, Father. And we give it all to you. We give everything of us to you this morning, Father. I am not leaving this place the same way I came in. I was happy when I came in. I was in a good mood when I came in. I'm going to be in a gooder, happier, gooder mood when I leave this house, God. Because you are good. You are good. I love my family, Father. I love this church. I love this family called Windward around this world, Father. You're good. Everyone in this place, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He has forgiven you. He forgave you before the foundations of the earth were laid. He wanted to give you forgiveness. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and rise again. So you and I can live in his goodness, in his forgiveness. Some people are still like just hanging on. like they're, they're not familiar with the lifestyle without the pain and I want to tell you what your mind has created a lifestyle of pain and God is releasing you from that this morning if you need a miracle of healing in your life he's releasing you of it right now in Jesus name just let it go let it go let it go that family member that you've been offended with, let it go in Jesus' name. 
This is not about the problems of the past. This is about the goodness of your future. <laughs> this is about the liberty of Jesus Christ in us. This is not about a religion. This is about Christianity. Oh yeah, well that's a religion. No, it's actually truth. Every other religion has been formed out of some form of the Christian truths. But God is not a religious God. God is a God of all knowing. His way is the way. He is the truth and the life. And He has set us free. That is not a maybe. That's a de declaration of reality. And if any one of us has been wrapped up in the pains and the bondages of others, I want you to hear the truth because the truth will set you free. That He has given us the liberty. He has given us the answers to every problem and every issue that will ever come our way. He has given us the ability and the authority to overcome every issue that comes into our life. That's the God that I serve. And that's the God of my Bible. And as His wind of His Spirit blows through this place, it doesn't mean all your problems disappear but the effects of your problems will. Your lifestyle will change. I feel that some of you are carrying the miraculous healing power for someone else. Someone in family, could be a brother or sister, could be someone, a cousin, an uncle, Maybe it's just a friend. But all they're looking for is something that they might not understand. But it's called lay hands on the sick and see them recover. All cancers can be gone in Jesus' name. All tumors gone in Jesus' name. Period. Punto correcto. Ah. Some of us have, have the challenge set before us to step into the level of faith to lay your hands on sick. I don't know if I can do it. Quit lying, devil. Why do you tell us we can't do it? Why, why would our minds even think we can't when God says we can? Like, seriously. But I can't give up that sin. Quit. Why, why are we listening to lies? It's a lie of the devil. I did. I gave up sins I thought I never could. Am I perfect? Not yet. Maybe the most perfect in this room. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Total joke. I even had my kids told me I have to be in style and roll up my sleeve. shirt, shirt sleeves. I'm even in a long sleeve shirt. I usually preach in a short sleeve because I'm just hot. Look at that. Is it styling? I don't know. Praise God. Sometimes we have to listen to our children. If we've taught them the ways of the Lord, sometimes we need to listen to them and be like children ourselves. Remember that real faith that sometimes we used to have some years ago? It never ended. It only was to increase in Jesus' name. 
someone in here is sick. They've had a diagnosis recently, and I, I know about one of my, my board of directors and leaders of the church. I understand. I just feel like someone else has had a diagnosis. Does that make sense to anybody that a doctor has said they have a sickness? If that's you, just put your hand up if it's been recently. I see that hand. We're going to go after it right now because we're going to switch things around from just what doctors say back to what God says. I'm not against doctors. I just think God should never be number two. God should be number one. He's first. We're going after his way first. And if he's going to use doctors, then he's going after the second option. That's totally fine with me. I saw this young man put his hand up just so people could stand around him. Just put your hand up again. So, was that you? Did you put your hand up for a sickness or something? Yeah, okay. Put your hand around him. Is anybody else? There's a hand back there. Just gather around her, okay? We're just going after some sicknesses right now. If anybody else in here, I just really believe there's miracle healing power in this place. Is there anybody else? Just put your hand up if you're sick and you need a prayer for anything. Just put your hand up and wave your hand if there's anything at all. In Jesus' name. Okay, there's a lady back here. Put your hand on her. Just going after it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, you know the issues. You know the sicknesses. You know what the needs are. Well, we're going to do exactly what you told us to, Father, in your word. It says, lay hands on the sick and see them recover in Jesus' name. And that's what we're going after. So in Jesus' name, we are praying in faith, ripping open the heavens to see the miracles happen right here in Windward this morning. We are looking for the miracles. We are being filled with your spirit. We are praying in love. We are praying in obedience. We are standing on the word of God. And we're going after the miracles that you have deemed to say, today is the day that you walk out of your cancers. You walk out of your tumors. You walk out of your pains. You walk out of your sicknesses. Whatever ailment you have your body in Jesus name let's all say in Jesus name in Jesus name say it again in Jesus name be healed be healed be healed minds right now be renewed in Jesus name any lack of faith in this room get out of here you don't belong in Jesus name someone's job's going to have a financial blessing and increase you're either going to get something at Christmas that you weren't expecting, or you're going to get a promotion or financially in Jesus' name. And when that comes, uh, be the power of testimony and bring it to testimony. Don't just let it slide. Because when miracles happen, it's so we could be the testimony of Jesus Christ in our life. Of Jesus in our life. And so we thank you, Father. Any demonic thoughts, get out. Nightmares, get out. Be filled with visitations in Jesus' name. Uh, I see singers rising up, people singing, singing, singing. Jesus' name. Ushers, ushers. We actually, we actually need a head usher, someone to step into looking after ushering. If that's you, then you need to come and speak to us. Talk to us after the service. It's all it is, a simple job, simple task. But we're a family. We need help. We need help. You can usher. You can lead ushering. I don't care if you're male or female. It doesn't matter. Nowhere in the Bible it says a female can't be an usher. I think they make great ushers. My wife's a great usher because she always wrote bigger checks than I did. 
Father, we thank you for all that you have done and are doing, that this is the day of celebration, of joy, of happiness, of freedom, of healing, miraculous power. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen, amen, and amen. I love you all. I look forward. I'm back in a a week and a half, and we're going to have fun. Be blessed, live righteous, and you will be holy. Amen.